How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? It is getting ready for week four. Games are being postponed, but what is not canceled is my love affair with Dave McBurney. He joins me now wearing a Olive Henley, uh, a salt and pepper beard, and a chock full of statistics. How you feeling, pal? I'm feeling great. I'm a suburban dad officially. I'm making dad jokes. I'm like living in New Jersey. It's, it's crazy. Eggs. I got some. <laughs> uh, I got two trivia questions for you. Right off the uh, bat, both week four, week four related. If uh, if you're if you're down. Okay, let me just say really uh, quick. I, I, we are going to have crack later. We are going to have Greg Rosenthal on later of the NFL Network and of Around the NFL podcast. Really smart guy. But first, trivia. Patrick Mahomes has the record for the most passing yards for a QB through his first nine NFL starts with 2,800 plus yards. Andrew Luck is second with 2,631. Who is third? He's starting this weekend. He is starting this weekend through his first nine games. Pull up the teams. Pull up the teams. Um, Pull up the teams. I don't, can I have a guess? But this is only so that I'm not stalling too much time. Uh, sure. Derek Carr, but that wasn't my final answer, but I'm still going to be lucky. Yeah. Okay. That's a great guess. It, it is. It's obviously not someone that is like super obvious. It's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. Right, right, right. Uh, I am going to say um, final answer as I get through. I just got through the AFC. Okay. I'm just going to guess so that we can keep going. Uh, my final answer is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fantastic guess. Dang. No. It's Nick Mullins with 2,630. Wow. So when Nick Mullins' yeah. first nine starts, he's only behind Andrew Luck and Patrick Mahomes. Right. Love that. And by the way, so nine starts, 300 yards would be 2,700 yards. So he's basically averaging a little under 300 yards per start. Man. Good for you, Nick Mullins. Love it. All right. This this next one you're going to love. So uh, Brett Rippin, Ripon, do we know how Rippin. to pronounce that? Rippin, uh, so like Mark Rippin, yeah. We'll start for the Broncos on Thursday, becoming the ninth QB to start a game for Denver since the start of the 2017 season. Who are the other eight? Okay. Trevor Simeon. Um, uh, The guy, uh, okay, so we we just had Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Uh, We just had uh, Case Keenum is one of them. Um. We had the kid that his dad, Kelly, uh, uh, Kelly. Uh, is there a Kelly on the list? He there never started. Okay. Um, oof. Brock. Brock, of course. We're not counting Peyton, right? No, so this is 2017. Um, uh, the guy, Jeff Driscoll. Yes. All right, so how many am I away? You need three, three more. Three more. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get them. Uh, Case Keenum, Trevor Simeon. Uh, How about the pride of Delaware? Of Flacco. Joe Flacco. Great. Uh, the other two are more abstract. Uh, one was a first round pick, I believe. Uh, no, it one, was Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch. And then there was this week when three quarterbacks all started with the same last name. Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, and? Tim Allen. Brandon, Brandon Allen. Allen. Brandon Allen. Baby hands, Brandon Allen. <laughs> Amazing trivia question. Thanks, Axios. That was awesome. Yeah, Brandon Allen. He was the dude with like the nine and five ace hands that I was like, he's going to fumble a lot. Um, <laughs> all right. So that was cool. I did talk to a smart guy last night, but you had sent me some statistics earlier this week. The smart guy even said to me on the phone this morning, 
uh, that it's been a crazy year for, for gambling. But I think you've seen some statistics that, that really show how even though things can seem sporadic, the balance is there. Right. And we've talked about in this podcast how overs are hitting at a crazy rate. They're 29 and 19 on the year. So it might get this sense because so many people are talking about the points being scored and the overs that this is like an insane Vegas year. But this is thanks to ESPN Stats and Info. Away teams are 24 and 24 against the spread. Mm. Therefore, home teams are also 24 and 24 against the spread. Favorites are 24 and 24. Underdogs are 24 and 24. It is exactly 50% down the line. This is also true for away favorites and away underdogs and home favorites and home underdogs. They are exactly 50% against the spread through three weeks. The chances of that happening are just insane for all of those stats individually to be exactly 50%. We know Vegas, by the end of the year with hundreds of games involved, it's going to be somewhere close to 48, 49, 52%. The exact 50%, though, that is just a a very, very tiny chance of that happening. It's insane. I think uh, last week, to me, really did feel like a course correction for for some of the storylines. Like We kind of knew that Detroit was going to come back and, and do what they did to Arizona. Uh, I think that it was sort of a, as you said right before we recorded, oh, here come the Chiefs again. You know? Oh, yeah. And I, and I think... Um, they, everyone that bet on the Ravens, which was a very sexy pick, everyone was feeling so foolish 10 minutes into that game. Do saying, you have the Super Bowl favorites Mahomes? right now? Uh, I actually have the MVP favorites, but I can get the Super Bowl up for you. Give me one second. Okay, actually, let's let's do some future MVPs and some Super Bowl. Yeah. I was doing this with my friend because I think it's cool to look at the season long. For me, this the, I have the Super Bowl odds too. By okay, the way. let's do let's do MVP first. Russell Wilson has to be the favorite. He is. He went from about five and a half to one down to two point two to one. He's plus two twenty. Mahomes right now. has to be so two. Huge jump. He's at plus 350. He's second. Where is Josh Allen? He's fifth. Okay. He actually supplanted your boy Kyler Murray, which, you know, rough loss for him, three interceptions. Totally makes sense. So the, the top five now goes Russell Wilson, plus 220. Patrick Mahomes at plus 350. Aaron Rodgers is plus 700. Lamar Jackson has gone all the way up to plus 1050. So he was around like four, four and a half to five to one this whole season. Now he's at plus 10 to one. Uh, then Josh Allen at plus fifteen hundred, Kyler Murray sixteen hundred, Dak Prescott eighteen hundred, and then the, the the list gets a little silly from there. Can I hear Alvin Kamara popping on the board at fifty five hundred wow. to one? Fifty five to one, sorry. Uh, let me. I'm trying to think if there was an under the radar MVP. To me, MVP is kind of locked right now. Like I really don't. To, for me, there's more value in Rookie of the Year than an MVP. Because if I remember right, I looked back, Joe Burrow has pretty good odds to win Rookie of the Year, but I really like the odds of Justin Herbert. Just as okay. a, a if we're playing this in the season, and I definitely think that, that Joe Burrow is, is going to be great, uh, I think that there's some talent on the Chargers team that could make it interesting if that team, do you have those odds by any chance? Just got them up. This is from Sports Betting Dime. Uh, Joe Burrow still at plus 135 as of yesterday. Clyde Edwards at plus 200, James Robinson plus 950, Jonathan Taylor also plus 950, CD Lamb plus 1300, and Herbert plus 1400. Yeah. So 14 to 1. That's where the, the two that jumped out to me there are Jonathan Taylor and Justin Herbert because I think mm. uh, do not sleep on what the Colts are doing right now. They have another, they, they're playing Chicago this weekend. Um, 
they're a team that if they start running, especially if we look at what happened with the Tennessee Titans with their game being postponed, where I'm, and obviously that's temporary, but I'm looking at the Colts and I'm going, man, if Jonathan Taylor, you know, 1,200, 1,300 yards, and and if the Bengals and Chargers don't make a run, and and I, Jonathan Taylor is sneaky there too. Do any of them stick out to you? Actually, two that I didn't mention stuck out to me: uh, Justin Jefferson at twenty to one, and Chase Claypool at thirty-three to one. Like you're telling me, those guys couldn't just have crazy stretches and end up with like twelve or thirteen touchdowns as a rookie. They're both in big play offenses. We saw what Justin Jefferson can do, but Chase Claypool specifically, I, I feel like if he and Big Ben become buddies and he's like airing it out to him, it, this really is Joe Burrow's award unless he gets injured. Exactly. So you put down ten bucks at thirty-three to one. There's a thirty one in thirty three chance that a quarterback you know misses some time yeah. during an NFL uh, season. Of the two, my my worries are that Jefferson won't be in any meaningful games. I think the Vikings are collapsing. Sure. I think they are a Viking funeral out to sea. And Chase Claypool, I think, will have the moments, but he won't have the statistics. I I look at Chase Claypool right now with Deontay Johnson going out with Juju playing in the slot, and Claypool went up to like 90 percent of the snaps last week. He is the guy that I go, he could have that Martavis Bryant first year for Pittsburgh, the, right. the Pittsburgh wide receiver that comes out of nowhere. And because Big Ben in that offense, and, and quite honestly, they're getting nothing out of the running back position. James Conner and Benny Snell, it's the defense is incredible. And then big plays to Claypool, I think could be exciting, but Herbert would get my money. Okay, Super Bowl odds. Um, Chiefs are number one, I would imagine. Yep, they're at plus four hundred. Still, think, I I, I want to just say I'm pretty sure before the Ravens game they were plus five hundred, and mm-hmm. we talked about it. There is still value on taking the Chiefs at plus four hundred. They are now clearly in the driver's seat for the bye, and I know that it's week four, but they have a win over the Ravens. And I, mm-hmm. who is the other AFC team? You can talk to me about the Bills and the Pats. It is the Chiefs and the Ravens and then everybody else. I still think that there's good value there on the Chiefs plus 400. For sure. And I'm actually surprised the Ravens line hasn't wavered too much. They're still at plus 550. They were, they've been hovering hmm. around there. Then there's a little drop off. The next sort of tier down is the Seahawks at plus 1100. The Packers at plus 1500. Saints at plus 1500. And Steelers and Bucks also at plus 1500. Hmm. Then there's the drop off to the Niners, Bills, and the Patriots around 2000. And what's so funny is, is those are the ones that excite me the most. Oh, if you're going to get value, sure. Because to me, for for all those other teams to be clumped together like that, for me, I look at a team like the Patriots and I go, I I really left Sunday going, I trust Bill Belichick with my life. Like I I would let Bill Belichick decide all of my decisions in life. And I just, now, now that I've seen their, their willingness to adapt and change and uh, you, we all know that the Patriots start the year off those first five or six games around three and two. That's just, that's just what they've done. And then they learn and then they adjust and they never lose again. And so uh, I just think there's a lot of value in that Patriots team right now. Yeah, I don't know if I would let him make every decision for me, but I would let him pick out a Martha's Vineyard house for me, and I would let him pick out a dog for me. If I was going to the rescue shelter, and I was like, "All right, find the best dog yes. in here," I bet Coach. And, and Buffalo, Buffalo has some really nice uh, highs and lows that they're going to hit. I wouldn't bet on them. Uh, and then what was the third team at t- at two thousand? Uh, around two thousand, the Forty ers are actually at like eighteen hundred right now. 
I don't have the guts. I don't have the guts on that one. Um, they they seem like the type of team though that like if they can grind out a few wins and then guys start one by one coming back. Yeah, but my problem like, is I know they're not getting Bosa back. Right. That's like amazing. like I know they're getting Sherman and Garoppolo and Mostert and all those guys, but I don't think they're getting what made them great last year back, which was that pass rush. And that's what scares right. me. I was actually surprised to see them in the mix this high up with this many injuries. I mean, I'm so high on the Chiefs right now. I went and combed through all the injury reports, and they were like the only team that had positive news. Alex Okafor is mm. coming back, another D lineman after they just got Mike Pennell back. They're also getting Charve- Charvarius Ward, who they lost in the first week with a hand injury. He's back. So I'm, I'm more bullish on the Chiefs. Uh, the Seahawks, I feel like, are one of those teams where – I look at them with the Jamal Adams and the Quentin Dunbar and all of these other injuries. They may have some blips in the next few weeks. People think they come back to earth, but they get all of those guys back. I, I, I have faith in them long term. Um, and one other team that that stuck out to me that I'm just so curious about is the Bears. I just mm-hmm. I, I'm sitting here right now looking at a three and O Bears team with a completely new quarterback. And when you look when Nick Foles came in, the targets to Jimmy Graham and Allen Robinson, how everything changed with David Montgomery now with Cordaro Patterson taking over the for the Tariq Cohen role. Um, I, I don't know how to evaluate the Bears. And the problem is, is they were spotlighted in my conversation with a smart guy. Well, they're at plus forty one hundred right now in the Hall of Fame. And the, Hold on, uh, this is this is we're playing. We're hearing John Barshar's uh, voice. <laughs> right. Okay. What were you saying? The Bears are at plus forty one hundred right now. I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl, but that does feel like the sort of thing that if they can beat the Colts this week, then all of a sudden that forty one hundred is down to twenty six hundred, and you can hedge that uh, in some sort of interesting way down the line. So I talked to my smart guy, and uh, there were a few things that we talked about. One. Uh, I said, man, I said, all I've been talking about on the show has been overs. I said, why do I get the feeling that you bet a lot of overs? He pounded overs earlier in the week, mainly because of the trend of overs, of all of the action from these sharp groups that are jumping all over it. Uh, Four of them, the sides have continuously gone up. One of them went down, but it's something that he's keeping an eye on. And then I said, hey, uh, this Warren Sharp guy that I talked to last year, he was really big into EDSR. Any chance you know EDSR? And he goes, yes, I do. Oh, great. Wow, that is such a strange coincidence. By the way, did you have a guess for who the smart guy was that I talked to this morning? Yeah, um, I thought it was Ross Anderson, who was a really smart guy in my high school. Mm, what was his best uh, topics? He was really big into science. Um, he ended up going to Antarctica at one wow. point to, on a on a research trip. Yeah. Really smart guy. So was that him? Uh, it was not him. (laughs) Okay. I asked this smart guy thus far through the year who have been the top five EDSR offenses in the NFL. Number Hmm. two, new England. Number three, green Bay. Number four, Seattle. Number five, Buffalo. I said, whoa, 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 where's Kansas City? He said that they're number eight. And then he bet me that I would never guess number one. And I guessed a few teams I didn't get it. Now I'm going to turn a trivia question on to you, David Ingber. Who has been the number one EDSR offense so far in 2020? I'm going to say it's the Rams. Mm. 
It is actually the Minnesota Vikings. And the reason wow. is, is that their defense sucks so much that they're abandoning they're everything and they're just throwing the ball. So that one will come back to earth. Well, last year when it was Warren Sharp, that was the smart person you were talking to last year. He he talked about how certain teams would be like running and passing about 50-50 on first and 10. And he was like, no, no, get it up to 60%. Okay, no, the numbers are still good. Get it up to 70%. He, he said no team ever reached a high enough point at which they were passing enough mm. on first and 10. And if you're down 21 nothing, you know what you're doing on yeah. first and 10? You're passing the ball. So what's yards. very funny is the smart guy who I talked to that is definitely not from your high school and, and not – Warren Sharp, uh, we were talking about the Kansas City-Baltimore game on Monday night. And mm-hmm. I told him that it reminded me of the game last year where every time Mark Ingram or Gus Edwards touched the ball, they ran for nine yards, but Baltimore was down. They had to pass. And I was like, even though they were down, I wanted them to run. And he goes, dude, the statistics show that. That Baltimore was one of the rare teams where they were having so much success on early downs running the ball that this smart guy was like, they should have kept running the ball. And Interesting. and that's why I'm very curious about the Chiefs-Patriots game this weekend. When I see that the Patriots are number two thus far in early down success rate, and I think about the fact that in weeks one, they pounded the Dolphin, Dolphins. Week two, they threw on the Seahawks. Week three, they ran on the Raiders again. Now I'm looking at it and going, will they be the ones that can get that early down success and run on the Chiefs and do the one defense that we know works against Patrick Mahomes? Keep him off the field. It's the only Mm -hmm. defense that works. Um, Yeah, maximize possessions, try to do that score right before halftime, then get the ball back. Just if we can have eight possessions and they can have six possessions and you, you just somehow manage to limit him on a couple of them, all of a sudden you're in the game toward the end. I mean, I was not coming in. I had not come in yet to this show really knowing what I wanted to bet. But seeing New England getting seven, I know it's the Chiefs. But it's a it's it's a short week after a big emotional win. Patrick Mahomes just found out that he's having a baby. New England is now sitting there and it's ooh, seven points. And, 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 as a dad, though, hold on, give me the dad take in a second, but also how many times has Kansas city beaten new England badly in week four or five and sent the Patriots season into turmoil, but specifically Tom Brady's season into turmoil. So as a, before Mm -hmm. you give me your dad take as a Patriots fan, what like this rivalry, I feel like has defined the storylines for the Patriots for like the last decade. Oh, I think that Patrick Mahomes, like he he must think about losing to Brady like 24-7 because he's the only guy. It, it's like the Michael Jordan documentary where he would invent new things to be mad about. So it's like Patrick Mahomes, he beats everyone. He's still thinking about something that happened two years ago. He's like, well, I couldn't beat Belichick. And I it's stupid always, Brady. But and it's, like, it's not even Brady because Brady's never played well in the games. It's always been Belichick in the first half showing eight blitzers and dropping all of them out. And Mahomes being like, what the fuck is this? Throwing a pick <laughs> six. And then like in the he second half him. being like, ah, and throwing it as far as he can. Okay, as a dad, are you going to give me the take that you think Mahomes might play like he has superpowers? Yeah, I mean, and I'll a lot tell of people you why might I say, oh, he just I'm found out like a baby. What's go, that? go, go, sorry. Oh, he, 
he, that he might be distracted or something. This is, there's a very big difference between just finding out that you're going to be a dad and that your partner is pregnant versus those first few weeks when you're completely ex exhausted. Right. So those first few weeks when I found out that my wife was pregnant and that we were going to have a child, I, I was like filled with this sort of like, you know, this shaking, like I am now everything that I do, I am doing for my future child who I haven't met. Oh, before. see, yeah. I thought, and again, this is someone not having a kid. I thought that happened because every person I've talked to that has a child has looked at me and been like, the day you see your child is the day that your brain changes and nothing is for you anymore. And I think that seeing a picture of a baby is not the same thing as having a baby. This is ridiculous conversation right now. <laughs> I, who the hell knows what Patrick Mahomes is thinking right now? But man, I'll tell you, when I found out that the, there was a child growing in there. And then you get these little charts that say like, okay, this week it's the size of a blueberry. Oh, this week it's the size of an avocado pit. Oh, this week. And it's like the, things start growing. You start getting these little notes like, oh, this week she's growing fingernails. This you, you start getting like a real person in there. To me, that was very real. Mm. I, I hope Patrick feels the same way. And congratulations. Congratulations, way, Patrick. Patrick. Like. Couldn't be happy. Literally. It's been the worst year for nearly every human in existence, except for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has had the greatest 2020 of all time. Super Bowl <laughs> winner, uh, gets engaged. Now he's having a baby. Uh, he gets a $500 million contract. He becomes part owner of the Royals. Uh, oh, I forgot all about of that. His, what a great passing by no story. All of his other teammates, like they all got contracts and they all came back. It, it's 2020 has been an amazing year for Patrick Mahomes. Amazing. Uh, but he's losing on Sunday to the Patriots. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Didn't someone tell you though that they were bummed that they had to miss out on all the like normal Super Bowl celebration Kelsey. stuff? It, it's like it was yeah, Kelsey, Kel right? well, Kelsey was just saying he's like, man, I would, could be on Jimmy Kimmel, and then yeah, yeah, right, like yeah. all that stuff. Uh, so I also asked this smart guy for the biggest EDSR mismatches this week. Hmm. We got we got four. But the fourth one, smart guy's not feeling that confident about. Uh, you tell me what the lines are after I tell you the matchup. So if you can pull up the lines. Yep, we got them. First EDSR mismatch. Dallas over Cleveland. Okay. Uh, Cowboys are favored by four and a half in that game. Mm. 55 is the over-under, by the way. That's a lot of points. Uh, that is a lot of points. But the Dallas defense uh, stinks. Uh, that that would be interesting there, because I'm I'm hoping it's a Cleveland explosion game. But EDSR says Dallas; they are favored by four and a half. Uh, second, the Colts over the Bears. Right. This has been an interesting line because it opened as a pick'em and it's actually moved to Colts minus two and a half. Mm. So Colts are pretty big road favorites, right? What there. is the total there? Uh, what is the over-under? 45 is the over-under. Mm. I love the over in that game. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then the third EDSR mismatch is Arizona over Carolina. Mm -hmm. This one I thought was like my Bill Krakenberger uh, fishy line of the Ooh. week. That the, the Cardinals are favored by three and a half points on the road. Uh, the Cardinals just lost. The Panthers just won. 
I, you know, I, again, I'm not like a major analytics guy. It just felt fishy to me. And you know what crack says, if something feels fishy, stay away mm. or bet the fishy side. I just thought Panthers at home after a very nice win without Christian McCaffrey, they're dogs by three and a half points. I don't know. Just thought it was a little, if I were, if I were going to give my insight, cause I'm just going to play counter to that. I'm not saying Please. I'm taking this. Having watched those games, Carolina got very fortuitous with a number of Chargers fumbles deep in their own zone that they only turned into field goals. Early on, I was like, Carolina is dominating this game and it's all Joey Sly and they're playing a rookie quarterback. Um, Arizona, on the other hand, was the opposite. Arizona was the team where Kyler Murray had three interceptions uh, where he was just kind of getting a little risky with it and Detroit kept getting the ball in their zone but Detroit was only hitting field goals and, and they just kept settling. So it was one, it, it's, it's literally two teams that, that um, had opposite luck. If we're going off of that uh, on the other thing, Arizona's defense, I think has really been, uh, it impressed me last week more than I would have uh, thought. Um, and Carolina, you're just, you're kind of looking at this Carolina team and you're going, I don't understand why this, how this defense is holding together. Like Brian Burns is really good, and Kawan Short's really good, and Dante Jackson's really good if he catches an interception, and Shaq Thompson's really good. But they have seven rookies on their defensive side right now, and you just kind of wonder how, how disciplined can they be with a guy like Kyler Murray. Uh, Derek Carr is going to be checked down city and they let up 30 something points. They faced a rookie quarterback that Trey Turner and uh, the right tackle, Brian Balaga have played one drive together on the right side of that chargers offensive line. So they were able to get more pressure that won't happen against Arizona uh, and the Raiders against the saints. Drew Brees really didn't have to run around. So my big question for that Arizona uh, Carolina game um, the one that I would really look into is the over-under for Kyler Murray rushing yards. Uh, that would be the hmm. prop bet that I would look at. Uh, I don't know if you have access to pull that up, but I can try it real quick. Um, yeah, please do. But because um, if you know what, I'm going to look that up. And we're doing this live on the show right now. The, the, the one, though, of the EDSR that interested me the most was Indy over Chicago. Uh, and you said okay. that line was two and a half. Right. And it's the, col in, the Colts are coming in two and a half point and favorites. Where? And it's in Chicago. In Chicago. It's in Chicago. Uh, for me, the reason that excites me the most is if there's one team that's going to adapt, it is the Indianapolis Colts. And with all of their injuries, they now have Jack Doyle and Mo Alley Cox. And I think that injuries have actually led them to the perfect system, which would be a double tight end system with Jonathan Taylor. And, and Philip Rivers throwing play action off of that. And, and I think that the one weakness of Chicago thus far has been their run defense, surprisingly. Uh, their pass defense with Jalen Johnson, uh, he's been incredible. People are, are messaging me about him constantly. Um, but if I'm looking at Kyler, let's see if I can find this. Yeah, a few places I'm saying they don't have the lines available quite yet. We're recording this early yeah, Thursday. Yeah, it's not out there yet. But that would be the one where I'll, I'll probably put that out on social then, whatever Kyler does. But of the ones that I've gotten from the EDSR, uh, he did say there was a mismatch for Philly over San Francisco, which is an underdog, but he really didn't like that. And I agreed. I agreed. Well, I did find an Eagle staff for you that I think you're going to be a little sad okay. about. 
Well, they stink. Teams so that they're, played they're two and te- one. Teams that played for a tie the following week, they went nine and seventeen against the spread. Specifically, they went two and eleven on the road over the last however many ties. Wow. Yeah, so it's like the teams that didn't, you know, you were saying last week on the podcast that he, you think Doug Peterson might have lost the locker room. Oh, and then, and then Brian, Westbrook, the end of Brian Westbrook texted a picture of the injury report. And I was like, how many of those guys were like, you know what? I don't feel like practicing today because my coach didn't feel right. like going for a win. Oh, yeah. And, ooh, okay. So there, there might be something to that. Obviously, small sample size. Gambling trends don't tell the whole story. Blah, blah, What's blah, blah, blah. Caveat, right caveat. caveat. Right now, it is Niners by seven. I, I'm not touching that game. I'm I'm so <laughs> biased. Um, yeah, but but for me, it's like, how do you go into that game and not think that that Niners offense, similar to the Rams, similar to kind of what we saw a little bit, which Cincinnati, but Zach's not at that level of side to side weapons. George Kittle is back. I don't care if it's Mostert, McKinnon. I, I don't care what running back it, it is back there. They're going to tear apart that linebacking core of the Eagles. The question is going to be on Carson Wentz, and who would have the confidence in betting in Carson Wentz right now? I don't. But then to use your uh, the same thing with the tie, Cincinnati's three points favored against Jacksonville. That I thought was also kind of a, an interesting line. Like, the Jaguars... They were this year's victim of Fitz magic. It happens. It, it, it has happened to your team. It has hap- probably happened for your team too because Brian Fitzpatrick has played for two-thirds of the teams in this league. Sometimes you run up against a Fitz magic buzzsaw. It doesn't mean that the Jaguars aren't the frisky team that we saw in week one doing fun things, Gardner Minshew, whatever. Bengals by three. I don't know. That, just, that felt a little fishy to me. Yeah, I think uh, the, ones, the ones that excite me most there are Indy, uh, I think Dallas has my attention, but I'm also sitting here going Cleveland's two and one, and, and they're going to be fighting, but five points to Cleveland. Uh, I think, I really think that this, this could be the Baker Mayfield coming out. Like it's, it's another week similar, like what he had in week two against the Bengals um, Texans Vikings. There's just a lot of teams right now. Uh, I, I would say the one game that I really liked, I'm just looking at right now is Tampa Bay minus seven against the chargers at home. Yep. Um, and I'm going to make my picks later. I'm just trying to get my brain together before we get in uh, Krakenburger. So let's get ready. What were you going to say? Did you have another stat for me? Oh, I did. I have a couple for you on the Bucks game. The Bucks game, that actually, that line has moved a lot from four and a half to seven. And uh, I heard some analysis. I was watching uh, your, your buddy Kelly Stewart, her yeah. show on YouTube. Um, I was watching her show and they were saying that there's a lot of people that are teasing the Bucks, And that's why it went all the way up past that key number of six up to seven. A lot of people just think they're going to win this game, but they don't know by how much. Mm. Um, another thing that was mentioned, I think this was a, uh, a Ralph Michaels stat. The 2-1 and one team versus the 1-2 and two team, where the 2-1 and one team, they lost opening week, and then they won, and then they won again, right? Which is exactly what happened with the Buccaneers. So they lost. Sorry. No, I said interesting. I'm wondering where you're going. Yeah, so they... The, the Bucks they lost opening week, and then they won, and they won. So now all of a sudden, everyone's forgotten that they lost week one. It's like, oh, the Bucks are on a roll. Teams in that position are 10 and 20 against the spread over the last few years. In week four. Yeah. So it's almost like they're a two and one team, but the last two wins are very recent. This is just something I, I find this stuff interesting because it, so it affects our psyche. Because for me, it's like no one's heard a bad hot tip, and every trend sounds great. 
and they're so dangerous. They're so dangerous. Right. I it's actually, like how I many, how game. many of those two and one teams have the greatest quarterback of all time playing in week one and not know? You know what I mean? Like it's. You want to show? You want to hear why gambling trends are so scary? Yes. I found these two two competing stats for the Bills game. Josh Allen's road starts, right? Bills are 9-3-2 and two against the spread in his last, uh, what was that, uh, 12, 14 road, stru- road starts. He's 9-3-2 and two against the spread. But they're 1-5-1 and one in their last seven trips out west. Uh, so which stat do you which listen stat? to? I'm That's saying they're I both mean. trends. They both oh. exist. All right. It is now time to go to the top of Mount Sinai and come down with three tablets because... It's time for Hear ye, hear ye. These are the three track commandments with Bill Krakenberger. Let's bring in Krakenberger. Crack. Bum, 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 Crack. Are we bringing him in? There he is! Crackenberger! Crackenberger, we're recording live. We're already going live, and you look mob. Hey, guys. Crack Daddy, we're rolling. We're live, bro. This oh, is going to be the real take. We oh. just did a big intro for you. Oh, great. The three Crack Commandments. How is the strip? How is Vegas? Well, uh, considering that I am right now, I'm actually back east, but I am, uh, yeah, I'm back east nice. for, for three weeks, but I am going to be uh, going back to Vegas. And, uh, you know, sports betting is live and well on the East Coast, I'll tell you that much, because you could not. Oh, this is great. Last week you gave me Vegas. You have someone that has checked out in person all of the casinos. You know what the energy is like. Now that it's, I'm looking at DraftKings stock flying up. FanDuel stock flying up. Uh, I'm seeing online betting everywhere. What are you seeing on the East Coast? You cannot move in the sports books on the East Coast. Wow. I mean, mm. just absolutely packed um, volume. Listen, I'll tell you right now, if you don't get to the window, up to the front of the window uh, on time, it's your own fault. Because there's an hour-long wait at some of the sports books. They were lined up out to the boardwalk, uh, and, and they have – uh, not, uh, all the tellers they can get. So, uh, listen, people have money right now, man. Don't let no one kid you. They have money for gambling. They have money for sports. They have money for sports books. Packed casinos, packed sports books, volume wow. like crazy. Uh, really, mask. the place like a place like DraftKings, they're they're pretty smart by having those kiosks everywhere. I was in resorts. They have kiosks everywhere set up. So people are getting used to the kiosk. They have 20 of them. That's the future, in my opinion. I think any single sports book, they really have to know the wave of the future is going to be these kiosks, just like in the stadiums. Instead of tellers? Yeah, just like in the stadiums and stuff, they're going to have kiosks. Just like in horse betting? Right, right. Uh, Of course, they're always going to have tellers, live tellers, too. But I think you need those kiosks, and you need to to, uh, educate the public on the kiosks because I see resorts uh, with a much smaller line because they're using those there's 14 of them as soon as you get in there. And they're so easy to use after you use them once or twice. So I see uh, that being the wave of the future. I know even in, in, in back in Vegas at the South Point, they have like six of them now. 
So people are starting getting, you know, used to kiosks there. I think that's the, the wave of the future. It, it just, um, it, it's going to allow for, for the guys that are even new to be able to go up there and learn about sports betting without having to be intimidated and asking the questions at the counter and saying, you know, someone running up and saying, you know, give me $200 on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, sir, you have to give us a game number. So, yes, so yes. you can do that by looking at the – Listen, yeah. they did studies where when they introduced screens at Taco Bell, that people – there would be no line to talk to a human, but people would rather stand in line to order on, a lap, on, a, on an iPad. And so that's why for me – all these businesses adjust. They're going to see how it works with the kiosk and that's going to how it's go. I'm also curious with online betting. This is a very quite, I did not think about this question. Uh, stock trading in the pandemic, they were talking about how Robinhood impacted the, the bet, the, the, the way that the stock market moved because so many casual people were in and it changed the way of, of stock market. I'm curious now with, more and more states coming in and more and more lines being able to be bet. Are you seeing any changes from the online digital better or is it mainly still the syndicates that really swing things? Well, actually it, it, it is, especially this year with NFL betting being up around 30% more in volume. I think this particular 30%. Yes. Derek Stevens said he's up 30% over last year. NFL betting. Oh, Do you know what the normal jumps have been? Nowhere near double digits like that. Okay. Now, now granted, wow. as we educate the consumer and and uh, and now we're opening up with all the different jurisdictions to sports betting. Of course, that's going to bring a whole new you know uh, genre of betting. These kids that were raised on watching uh, Kobe and Shaq and LeBron, now they can bet on those guys. So uh, yes, of course it's going to grow uh, automatically. It's going to grow, but for some reason, maybe it's because of that lockdown for five months. People are, their appetites cannot be quenched enough. They're out there in full force. I have never seen Atlantic City like I seen it last weekend, ever. Oh, so you, you were there. I was in Atlantic City opening weekend. I'm now up in Long Island, and I'm going to be back in Atlantic wow. City uh, the next week. I'm going to be back in Atlantic City on Friday. Yes. Wow. When you factor in the 30%, do you think that even factors in DFS? You know, I'm sure there's a crossover there. I'm sure there is. Um, oh my God! I'm dude. sure there was a big crossover. That's all these kids play. Guys that that you know were, were betting fantasy, but now they can you know now they can bet live games. So I'm sure. Wait until these kids realize that prop bets are more fun than daily fantasy. Yeah, that's when it gets. Yeah, that's that, that's my that's my wheelhouse too. I I really love betting proposition bets on NFL games Sunday Monday night. We. We bet a lot of those in the primetime games. When do you start? Have you started looking at any props this week, Crack? You know, Daddy. no, we, we, we haven't. I, I usually wait. I'll just give you my little secret here. I usually wait right until game time. Huh? Game starts at 8.15 mm. p.m. I'm betting at 8 o'clock. And I'm betting a lot of unders because uh, the public loves to go on overs on everything. They don't want to go there and sit down and root for something, no, no scoring mm. or against people. So you literally, you literally say because there's nothing sweeter then banging the over 15 minutes before a game that you will sit there and wait until the over reaches its peak and then undercut the prop. Well, the sports books have no choice. They have to put extra yardage on these quarterbacks and stuff. A quarterback that, you know, like Aaron Rodgers will be like, let's say 300 yards. You know, uh, uh, of course they, they, they really, 
they want people to bet over. They want the overaction coming in. Mm. But there's so much volume on that that they're forced to move it and make it juicy for someone to come in and take, take an under. Because let's face it, especially a lot of these casino corporations, that the guys that are upstairs in the, in the offices that are getting, getting on their casino, their sportsbook staff and saying, how do we lose on this game? Well, that's the reason why sportsbook directors – they have to take two-way action on these props. Of course. And of because course. if they took just one way, and let's just face it, these, these, these prime time games have been flying over. So let's just face it. These, they keep on flying over. Sportsbooks are going to lose. They're going to wonder why they're losing. They have to make it a little more appetizing for someone like me to jump on the under. Don't worry. Don't worry. Jets Broncos Thursday night to the rescue. Uh, yeah. Uh, let, let's get into <laughs> who is – what bet have you seen already – that has been the super sharp bet of the week that you're seeing some some syndicates trying to move on. Well, I'll tell you, there's a giant movement again. Like I said to you on, right on your show last week, these bookmakers are putting up a line that's a little bit inflated anyway because they're expecting people to still bet overs. So they're already, with anticipation, they're putting up a, a little bit of a half point to a point higher on certain. I feel like we're a week behind but I feel like I would love the 33% to start the bet the under movement for like the next two, three weeks, because I feel like those overs have been hitting so hard. And, and Ingber, if you want to come in right now and be like, this is faulty math. Don't listen to Adam. That's totally fine. But I feel like we're a week behind, but I want to get on the all under movement. Ingber, your thoughts. Well, you, you are, you absolutely are on the right. Uh... Hold on, Ing- Ingber, let me hear what oh, Ingber sorry, says. Sorry what do you about think? that. I didn't hear Ingber. Oh, no, just that we know that by the end of the year, the overs will not be at 60% hitting. We just know that, right? And so right now they're at 60.4% through the first three weeks. So if the crash doesn't happen this week, it might happen the following week, might happen the following week. But we know that for, from now, from weeks four through week 17, there is a very, very tiny, minute chance that unders are anything over 50%. I know. I, that's why I want to be on the team primetime under betting wagon Crack your thoughts. Am I an idiot? Sorry about the Ingber thing. I, th- I thought Ingber was a special word for me or something. I swear. <laughs> oh, that's my. That's my it's, a, it's a rare oh. last name, but yes, I'm a person. It's a rare last name. Uh, and anyway, uh, listen, I'm going to use what you're saying on the Green Bay Packers going forward, the Kansas City Chiefs going forward. I think that there's an inflated number there, and the under is probably the mm. right play. Uh, This particular week, the syndicate that I know um, bet under 58 on the Green Bay Packers. I just think about that. 58 on a total. God, where are we at? Uh, So it's 57 now. And I'll tell you, don't think it's not going to – the public's still going to bet over. Don't think it's not going to go back up to 57 and a half, maybe even reach 58 again. So I am absolutely agreeing. Uh, Listen, all the shows I do every week – you're the only one that that even talks like this. You're absolutely the Chiefs right. too, though. You're you're going to start thinking under for the Chiefs because their number is going to be so inflated. Listen, it, it, it's inflated. They're already it's already a half a point to a point higher than it should be, and public's still going to bet it over. So uh, I would look to lean toward the under. It doesn't mean it's going to be a vanilla bet just yeah. automatically on the under. Cowboys. Cowboys Browns is at fifty six. Well, look at you and I last week. We both said about the Cowboys over at fifty five. I said you agreed with it, and it. I mean, it flew over. So um, flew over. Yeah, it flew over. As a matter of fact, the- think about this: it flew over, and DK Metcalf fumbled into the end zone. Right, like that could have that could have been in the seventies. Yeah, in the third quarter, over. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And and it's the, the key thing is to get these games at the right numbers too. You know, last last week I gave you that Monday night game 
I said I went over like 52 and a half. It was 53 and a half before, uh, 50, 53 and a half, I mean, uh, when, when we went on air. And uh, sure enough, it went to 56 at one of the sports books in Vegas, 55 mm -hmm. and a half. And look, look where it landed, 54. So it's so key to get these, uh, the, these numbers, when they, numbers when they start moving to be on the right side of them. Uh, where are the sheep going? Where has the public overloaded thus far on this card? Where, where do you think that uh, my smart listeners should not go? Well, again, we're, we're going to stick with the same game. I'm sorry to do it. It's the game that the public loves too much. They love the Packers on uh, any primetime games and stuff. That Now, this particular... It's not just the Packers. It's the Falcons suck. Well, and they're looking at the at they're looking at Nick Foles had success and Russell Wilson and they can still throw. Yeah, it it yeah. Okay. Well, let's not forget though, the Falcons were 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 um they were in these games, they were winning games. They blew two leads in these games that, that you just they just have to be so deflated uh blowing these type of games. And uh the, you know, the first week I bet the Falcons. I actually one one of the ones I, I put them on all my my my, uh, my my parlay cards in, in out in Vegas, my contest. Uh, versus Seattle, it wasn't even close. Yep. But um, the Falcons ha have covered, though. They, they did cover these games where they were getting points. Um, this week, they're getting seven. I'm, I tell you, there's seven and a half at a couple of these spots, too. Listen, I'm not going to say that I'm betting them because I'm probably not. And uh, I, all I'm saying is that Green Bay would look too uh, – it, it would look too easy for the Green Bay to blow them out. But then again – Maybe they will. I mean, it seems like everything Rodgers does is right this year. So, um, oh. you know, we'll see what happens. By the way, my, by the way, Ingber, before you came on, said that he had a crack fishy line. He said that he, he thought about what you said, that if a line looks fishy, you should stay away. And the one that was fishy to him was Arizona favored by three and a half in Carolina. I'm curious, did you get a little trout? Did you get a little caper on that? Well, actually... Uh, that is one of the games I was looking at this morning because now there is three major sports books, one in Nevada and two in faraway places that are offering minus three, minus 20 on that game. So that's an interesting game, uh, you know, but listen, this is one of the Why did you, what, what does that say to you to see three instead of three and a half? Well, I'll tell you, I think Arizona's probably really embarrassed by it last week too. So um it, it went it, carolina's on their high horse carolina's on the high horse right so this this could be a interesting game that i would think that a lot of the public would would probably be on arizona too and but i wouldn't so my, myself i actually would look at arizona more than i would look at carolina this game and but i wouldn't like three and a half now the three being that's the keyest number in the nfl so listen if you if you have a choice by laying three and a half minus 110 or minus three minus 20 it's not even close to three minus 20 is right uh, and then the Crack Wins app where you can go to hear Crack all the time. Do we have a Crack Wins app bet of the week? Actually, I'm, I'm looking at it. A te I usually bet a teaser every week. So I love teasers. I, I, I hit a three-team three teaser on the one o'clock. So it got me way too confident for the four on the Sunday night. But it was still nice to hit it. Well, I want to tell you something that I've never – I don't think I've ever given this out on any platform. Now that you're saying three-team, you're opening the door for me to tell you something. Like I know at the yes. golden the golden nugget here in uh, well in Atlantic City, they offer a three team teaser. You get six points though, three teams, six points, but you're getting back a dollar seventy for every hundred you bet. So every hundred dollars you bet, you get back one hundred and seventy. This was a real big advantage play for years for me and my guys because we we would take a dollar eighty. Then we'll actually take a dollar seventy, but a lot of places don't offer it. 
but I do know two sports books in New Jersey that offer that. So three teams. Yeah, I think I was getting 160. Three, okay, good. That's okay, though, because if you, I'll tell you yeah. what. Yeah, you want to go through the key numbers here. Now, what I mean, like, we're looking at the Bears this week. So the Bears are, are getting two and a half at home versus the Colts. And now you're going to go through those key numbers of three and seven. to eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah. Right. So if you could find three of those same type of scenarios where you're going through the key numbers – and taking a dollar seventy, a dollar sixty, okay, uh, through the key numbers, I would allow that. It, it's it's uh, it, it's pretty vital. So we're looking at though right now using the Bears as part of our. Um, we were looking at a two-team teaser, but you never know. I may look at one of those three-teamers there too. I I like your uh, philosophy there. I like the way you play them. That's really oh, good. Wait, so you like so Chicago? You might do a teaser with them, get them to the eight and a half, and then what would the other leg of your teaser? You know, we we don't. I didn't. I didn't have one yet. I'm going to okay. later. You want to workshop it? Yeah, I'm going to shop it a little bit. I, I have all the opening and closing numbers. And, you know, teasers are have been a little bit tougher uh, over the last couple of years because the sports books now. What about teasing? What about teasing the Patriots to 13? Okay, let's see. Now there's here. Now, Plus 13. Yeah, it's seven. If there's actually, they're, 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 yeah, there's some sevens there. And uh, what do you think about that? Kansas City, New England. It's New England, man. That, you know, you're, I don't know if there's ever been a time in the history of football where the Patriots have been a seven-point uh, underdog. That, you know, I shouldn't say that. Recent history, the last 10 years, the, the Brady years, you know. Um, yeah. So, I, I, of course, we know it's a different team. But, hey, they're uh, – like I said, they're holding their own. That Seattle-New England game was a great game. This weekend they – this past weekend they came in and, you know, blew away. So, uh, this should be a good game. And you know what? Now that Kansas City just had an unbelievable game Monday night coming back off the short week, I, I, I wouldn't be betting Kansas City this game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, I'm trying to see if there's any other one that fits your profile of a good swing on six points. They're all kind of sitting on even numbers right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. 13 um, gets you to seven. 13 and a half gets you to seven and a half. Maybe San Fran teasing it down uh, at home. I know there's some questions of injuries there, but – uh, I know Kittle was, was was practicing, but I know the quarterback injury. You know, but I, there's only I, one team more injured than the Niners, and that's the Eagles. Yeah, I can't trust either one of those teams, man. I tell you, I I never can win an Eagles game betting either way for or against them. My God, I agree. It's not worth your time. Crack, you are the man. Download the Crack Wins app. Pleasure as always, Bill Crackenberger. And apparently, if you're at the Golden Nugget this weekend in AC, you may see Crack Daddy. My man, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Pleasure as always, dude. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Crack Daddy. Now, Ingber, thoughts about what you just heard? Well, are we going to do Ingber's loser right now? Because I'm feeling really good about my choice now. After okay, listening let's, to uh, well, we have Greg Rosenthal because it's time to do, wait, do we do the deep ball, deep dive first? Did I flip it? Usually we've been going smart guy, then deep dive, then crack, then leftover gloves. Well, guess what? It's time for a deep dive. It's deep dive interview time. Tell us something we don't already know, won't you? The guy I have with me now has a big brain and a really good taste in music. I Ooh. don't know half the bands he listens to, but I sure did nod when I met him the first time and he talked about him. Greg Rosenthal, <laughs> three G's of the NFL Network and the Around the NFL podcast, which I am okay to say... I believe has reached peak deliciousness. Mm. I believe that it's like a nice grape pulled off the vine at just the right time that you squeeze it and it tastes like Cabernet. 
does that mean we're about to hit our decline? So it's like, yeah, we're, we're seven or eight years in three shows a week, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, at some point it's going to have to start getting worse. So I feel like now's the time I'm in my forties. It's okay. Where are you, do you believe now in terms of, cause I have to imagine the beginning you felt like an outsider and now hmm. you have to feel like you're, it, it's a little bit different. Well, that's true at our own company. Yes. Cause we started the show. No one wanted, you know, my boss, we really literally did it sort of behind his back and they would, we, you know, I was like a desk editor and we were writers and one of the people that was on the podcast at all times to start the show had to stay on their desk and not be part of that show. And we would like call them on the phone. That, would, that was like an initial bit that we were doing. Amazing. And, and uh, yeah, it, there certainly was no extra like juice for it. And now it is our job on some level. So yeah, the podcast nerds win. Hopefully. But also like you were at Roto World too. Like there's always been this, I, I guess I also meant philosophically in terms of like using oh, an analytics approach to talking about the game too. Yeah, for sure. Um, seeing pro football talk under uh, Mike Florio. And I've always thought like, you know, of course, I'm not going to know as much as like Brian Westbrook, your guy. Like there's there's no like level of, it doesn't matter how much I study. I'm never catching right. up to that. But I think it's worthy to have like a different non-player voice, like add that voice to the room. Add, that adds some diversity too. There's different ways to do it. That's why I love like seeing Mina Kimes on like NFL Live proper. 100%. She's she's like a non-fan, but like some, and as we know, you know, we have to do uh, our homework to make up for that lack of uh, experience. Well, it's so, so funny because this is not, we're going to get into a deep dive in okay. a second, but, uh, and we'll talk football. But it is very funny to me that I can see someone like Westbrook who I'm just going to throw him out there right now. Like if we walked into a room and somebody went to him and was like, who do you think wins this weekend? You know, Eagles, you know, you think they can beat the Niners? And he's like, you know, I think the Eagles got a chance. They're like, yeah. But if they asked me and I was like, I think I like the Eagles, they'd be like, well. Well, you are an like, NBA are guy. You're kind of an NBA yeah, it's, guy. I'm, so I fully true. transitioned. It's. <laughs> But for me, I've always trusted the people more that were breaking down the game than the people that played it. Mm. I just, I've never understood why former athletes were seen as the end all be all for breaking down the game. Never got it. Like, like the best case scenario are the guys that are insane, you know, in terms of loving the game still after they've played it and, and can talk the analytics the and they, and they love following them. Like that, that's like a higher level than, than I can lead, than I can reach, but otherwise right. I'm with you. I mean, half like of them Colin, are phoning in. I guess Definitely Colin's not Westbrook, worth is though. there. He's not phoning it in. I I spent um, a wedding weekend with him. We had a mutual friend uh, a year and a half ago, and so uh, I know that he's a, a great guy. Wow! Look at you name dropping a guy that I work with on my podcast. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so Josh Allen is where I want to start. Because he is a conundrum that I cannot solve. I was actually higher on him than everybody else. And now I feel like I've done a bizarro Josh Allen. Mm. Where I was the guy that was like, I'm not really worried about the accuracy. I think that'll come. Which was a crazy thing that I thought. And now people are like, he's an MVP. And I just can't get over what he does at the end of games. You know, I look at what he did with two throws over third and 20. But the reason they were in that situation was also because of him. So I... 
can you help me understand the, the uh, an intelligent way to look at Josh Allen right now? Well, I've had a worse path, which is I, di- I didn't think someone with his accuracy was going to make it. And they've done an awesome job. I went Bill- to the Chris Sims school of quarterbacking, though. Right. So, like, that's my bias. <laughs> I, uh, I've been so impressed with what they've done around him. Like Brian Dable's done an amazing job. Guys are wide open, but to give Josh Allen credit, he's also improved a ton in terms of his accuracy. They figured out what he does better, which is definitely throwing it shorter. Um, He's not really hitting the deep balls still Mm. too much. And it's an offensive league right now. And I think defenses are going to catch up. He's got to show that he doesn't just start going a little crazy when the game gets crazy though I mean because that happened it happened in that game it happened in the Bills game like right before the game winning touchdown he threw uh what would have the Dolphins been a, game the Dolphins game rather um a, a killer interception right before the play before his game winning beautiful touchdown they showed on every highlight yeah, he, he threw it right to the Dolphins but they dropped it and he gets, I don't know. It's almost like he gets worked up. He seems like a linebacker playing football. I've always said he's like the destitute man's Cam Newton. And then he became the poor man's Cam Newton. I'm talking about like a younger Cam. And now he's just, you know, he's getting closer to that. I think they're very similar in that they're mm-hmm. going to be very streaky. They're amazing in the red zone. Their teammates love them. They're ultra athletic. Um, but even Cam at his best incredible to me. incredible coming off the bus. Right, incredible. that too. Um, but even Cam, it was it as is as streaky as it gets even at his for the most part throughout his career that's kind of who he's been so then for me because during this quarantine my investor brain has awakened and now i'm i'm like that's all i can think about and so now i'm what's up stocks stocks alternate investments i'm not going to go into sports cards that much but that's sort of been a huge focus for me we can talk later but in that mindset all i need is a streak to hit and so the really question is with Josh Allen is how long, because if we're talking about Cam Newton, there's a certain peak of that athleticism that gives you a window that we saw Cam do with a 15 and one team where he really had nothing on that team except for him. How hot can Josh get? Hot, hot enough, hot enough to win a Super Bowl, which I, which I think is the idea because their defense hasn't even played well so far. And, and they've been injured. All their linebackers have barely played. They, they've been injured. And and the rest of the group, the defensive line didn't play well last week. And they're yeah. winning games offensively. And, you know, you're going to catch up to some of the schematic advantages they're getting. But the, the game's kind of tilted that way. There's a lot of offenses with schematic advantages. I think they have one of the best ones um, with Dable mm. and with the group around Allen is awesome. And so if the defense actually plays to its capability, it's like, they're in the mix this year. And that's the idea. I don't think it's, he's going to be, and this could be wrong. I don't think he's going to be a top seven or eight guy year after year, after year, after year. And that's, I don't think Cam was really either. If you really look at it, there was ups, there was downs post MVP. There's been more downs. Um, But I think he'll have enough. He he can give you enough that they're, he's the team. He's the team. You heard it here first. AJ Epinesa defensive rookie of the year. (laughs) Speaking of Cam, let's go right to Cam then. As somebody that has followed this team so closely, I, one, am loving this Patriots team. This, is, by the way, is a betting show that you're on currently. Okay. And so I'm sitting here going, I have never seen a Patriots plus seven line in my life. And I know they're taking on the Chiefs after the Chiefs just destroyed the Ravens, which makes me want to bet the Patriots even more. But this version of 
holy sweatshirt, Belichick, Cam Newton swag all over the place, um, manufacturing wins, changing the game plan week to week. What are we seeing right now? Because I haven't seen a new Patriots team in two decades. Right. I They were probably last underdogs like that in 2002. They had, hmm, I don't know if they, they, they had some rough defense. Even 2003, people weren't really buying into what they were selling. I, I am surprised it's that big too. But I think with Cam, they're like reinvigorated. They, they are all about flexibility and wanting to be a different team every week to be in a different team every quarter. You saw that against the Raiders and Tony Romo did one of the best jobs I think he's ever done, which is saying a lot, announcing that game and talking about the adjustments that the Patriots did. It's like they changed their game plan from quarter one to quarter two. And Cam Newton's kind of the perfect quarterback for that. Tom Brady was in a, in a different way. Um, but, but now that you're getting, you know, in his young thirties, Cam, who knows the game so well, like Russell Wilson. I think he's such a better player now because he's so much better mentally than he was five years ago, just like Ben Roethlisberger was around this age of his career. Like you take another step and Cam can do so many things. That's what I've been most impressed by is the depth of their playbook. And they can just go in so many directions and they kind of have to because their skill position talent isn't that good outside uh, the running backs. Where are you with Nikhil Harry? I'm not a... Because he's the one like... You you guys drafted Nikhil Harry. We drafted JJ Arthrega Whiteside, and I'm I'm looking at DK Metcalf, and I'm going, how did anybody doubt this? But it's it's <laughs> or tough. AJ Brown, by the way. Um, yeah. I, I'm not or Terry McLaurin, but that's that I'm getting hopeful more. because Cam Newton and Nikhil Harry like are clearly uh, buddies. As that meme, did you get goes. excited by the meme that yes. when Cam went down like flubber, Nikhil Harry was the one sitting next? to Yes, him. because. I've heard that that's like his boy, their locker mates. They talk to each other. He's feeding them. And that's great. In a perfect world. It's like, I think Nikhil Harry is going to be like a physical, you know, Muhammad Sanu type. My, my, my ceiling, which is a good, useful. I thought NFL you were going to say Moosin Muhammad. And I got even real. That would really have been better. That would be better. I don't, he doesn't make anyone miss after the catch. He see, you know, it seems a little lumbering, but if he can keep mm. making those tough catches and he's got the trust of Cam, like he's a useful starter, but they don't really have anyone on their offense that's like a game breaker. It's kind of crazy. They're trying to do it with like angles and, you know, their offensive line and confusing people and having like six different running. I feel like they had to do that last year too, right. except last year Tom Brady couldn't run. And right. now, and I guess the question that I have is, is, is that one wrinkle enough to create the edge for Bill Belichick where instead of a 10 win year, it's a 12 or a 13. And I think it could, I think it gives them a chance. I don't think this, this game against the chiefs is timed out right for them. I think they're, they're going to be much full... more dangerous in November and December. Once they keep expanding the playbook. And once they figure out what's going on with their defense, because their defense is struggling right now. I mean, Stefan mm. Gilmore is struggling um, they're not getting teams into these short yarded situations. They really don't have a pass rush outside Winovich. So it's like, can you win a game where it's going to be in the forties against Kansas city? Mm. That's going to be tough. The, you wrote a little sentence on this in, in your article on NFL.com. And I had this in my notes and it instantly reminded me not enough. People are talking about the fact that Josh Allen is enormous and Aaron Donald at one point of that game oh, yeah. threw him like a sock. Like people, like I posted that one about Zeke when he went up on Aaron Donald on Zeke, but there was one on Josh Allen where Josh Allen collapsed 
just collapsed. It was incredible. There's no one like Aaron Donald. He took over that game for a little bit and his just, just his plain strength because he has the technique and everything. Usually just the like the strongest guys in the league type, they don't have all that technique and smarts. And so he has both and he's like, I always thought J.J. Watt was the best player I've ever seen, you know, during his peak defensively. But Aaron Donald's there. And, yeah, he he made Josh Allen and some of their offensive linemen just look like little kids, like me. Like, if I was standing next to you, that, you know, I would be the Josh Allen. I, I need to find the clip and put it out because it, it was shocking. But to what you just said, J.J. Watt was the most dominant uh, pass rusher that I had seen in my life as I try and refocus this camera. Uh, and then I thought about, as you were saying it just now, and I thought about the fact that the big thing that J.J. Watt used to do is, oh, when he doesn't get to the quarterback, he sticks his hand up and swats balls. And he was like setting records. Aaron Donald always gets to the quarterback. Right. It's it's not it's not a there's no second chance. He just does it every time. He and won I, the Cowboys game on his own, I really thought. Like the the and it didn't even totally show up in the stat sheet. And he had like 12 pressures in that game and he just kept messing up all of their offense. Um, in terms of GM of the year, would you say right now it's Bean for the Diggs trade, or is it Lynch for getting uh Trent Williams, or is it Belichick? For having the balls to sign Cam Newton. Mm -hmm. Well, out of those three, I'd go, I'd go uh, Bean, because I think that was like knowing his roster, what it needed. They gave up so much for Diggs, and yet I th thought it totally makes sense. It's like, are you gonna get like a premier wide receiver up there yeah. into Buffalo in free agency? I don't know, maybe. Like, and why they try and, with Antonio Brown? They couldn't get him. And you don't. You, also, you don't need to. You don't want to wait. This is this was a year to go. Uh, and I also thought Diggs was sort of underused and undervalued in Minnesota. Uh, John Lynch and the 49ers are amazing, but I give so much more credit to Kyle Shanahan that I also ding them a little bit. They could sure use DeForest Buckner right now. They traded him away. They made that D Ford trade where they really chose Ford over Buckner in terms of who gets the long-term mm. money. They could use D Ford right about By now. By the way, Chris Ballard could win the award every year. Yeah. Although they got to start, I'm with you. I always say that, but it's like, okay, now is, there's, now is their go year. And I think they will, but they're missing some players right now. Anyway, what was your butt right there for? They, they just got to do it now. It's like, okay, you've had, I, I've been saying he's one of the best GMs in the league for a few years, but it's okay. Now you're in like year three for you and or three for Reich, four for you. Like you've put all your players here. Like now it's go right. time. You've got a quarterback that can survive. I was preaching after week one or two, this Colts defense is for real. And I know that the competition hasn't been good. And it kind of reminds me of how we talked about the Patriots and Niners defenses last year, where it's like everything I'm seeing is dominant, but I know the strength of schedule is so weak. Um, how, how good is this Colts defense in your mind? Because I think that if I had to pick two sneaky contenders in the AFC, it's Pittsburgh and it's Indy. Mm. They're, they're the two teams I have my eyes on. Well, I picked the Colts to win the Super Bowl this year. Only because I wanted. I had him as the happen. two seed in the AFC, so you you out nudged I've me. I've finally just given up on making the prediction. Just like, what do I want to see in February? I want to mm. see Philip Rivers win that Super Bowl. <laughs> that is one of the stories, like that to me would just would be, oh, be so, so delightful. And I think they have a chance. I think they're they're in that mix. I don't really trust their defense yet. Um, having player two premier players like Leonard and Buckner is awesome. Their defensive right. lines deep, and they're pretty. They're coached pretty well. I'm just kind of at the point where I only think maybe there's going to be three or four teams that really have a difference making defense. I'm going to put the bucks in there. 
I think the Steelers will be in there and we'll see. And otherwise it's just like matchups and just trying to like get a few stops. It's like the arena league. Do you ever get into the arena league? Probably not. But you're trying to get it to like, you're trying to be the one that lets up 60, not 70. I, I was forced to cover the arena league for like a month or two. Cause we had a deal with them at Roto world in like 2004. And the thing you realize watching a little arena league is defense matters more when there's no stops. If you have the defense that gets like two stops a game, then you win the whole thing. And that's, I feel like the NFL is getting a little bit like that. If you can just get like a handful of stops, make some situational plays, then that's what you need. What you were just saying makes me realize we would always do this every year where it's, there's a good defense, San Francisco 49ers last year. There's a great defense an all time defense. What I'm looking for right now is a Mahomes tested defense, because in the end, it always comes down to that. How many points would the Colts let up to Mahomes? And right now the answer is, 35, 38. And even then, the 49ers had it. I mean, they had that defense. They needed to score more on offense. But ultimately, they couldn't hold the lead in the Super Bowl. It's like the Seahawks in 2014 was by far the best defense. They gave up a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl. It's like, Mm. I don't know. I I just don't trust defenses in general. You need to have a nice defense. That's good. It's good. It's better to have a good defense, but yes. I'm not going to trust them in the playoffs. That's why I'd rather have defensive players that like Asante Samuel and Marcus Peters that like, yeah, you might let up something, but you could also change the game because really I don't want to just sit here and get diced up a thousand times. Right. Or Gilmore, or I think that's the Patriots best hope this weekend is they've got JC Jackson. They got Jonathan Jones. They got McCourty. Can Jump they make everything? like two or three plays? Cause that's their only Ooh. chance. Uh, Ingbert, you gave a stat earlier about uh, the top three quarterbacks in their first nine games in passing yards. I believe it was Mahomes one, Andrew Luck two, and then Nick Mullins three, correct? Wow. (laughs) What you said earlier about John Lynch and now with Nick Mullins, and then the fact that you illustrated in your article that Nick Mullins had eight drives, four touchdowns, three field goals, and a missed field goal. Why do I feel like all of that is just a testament to Kyle Shanahan? Well, it all is. I mean, he took, he took, I don't think people realize how impressive it is that they blew out the Jets and Giants. Every time I bring this up, people are like, well, those are the two worst. Those are NFL teams. Try to give those two coaches 12 backups. See, see what happens. I mean, they've literally had like 12 or 13 backups pretty evenly dispersed over offense and defense, but more on offense. So he had backups basically at wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, running back, and center. And they're, they're not getting stopped. I mean, that, it, I don't care who you're playing. And look, the, the Steelers didn't go into MetLife and do, do that. Neither, the Bears didn't, you know, when they, when they played in Chicago. So it's like, I don't know, man. That dude is something, Kyle Shanahan. He, he's special. That's, they're the, like, it's, it's, and then San Francisco and New England are the, man, those coaches scare the crap out of me. Like, those are the two teams that I feel like could coach themselves to a Super Bowl. Did you see Kyle Shanahan, though, immediately shut down the Jimmy G? Like, is there any scenario where Nick Mullins takes over? Because those numbers Nick Mullins put up, by the way, and I was on the Mullins train. It kind of went off track eventually as a, he was as a rookie. I was as an undrafted rookie, so he hasn't played in a few years. He might be better now. I, I don't think know. He started not not only did he start as an undrafted rookie, because I bet against him. He started on a short week right. on a Thursday night against I think Oakland and George Kittle went for like one fifty. But I bet against him because I was like, this kid, short week, incredible. 
Shanahan gets quarterbacks paid. He got Kirk Cousins paid. I guess Kirk's done. Matt Schaub, Matt Ryan, all of them. RG3, he would have gotten a check. Man. Um, And then you subscribe. My last one is for the Aaron Rodgers. You are subscribing to the Jordan Love is motivating him. And we have seen this. I wanted to know the depth of it because – Alex Smith, we saw too. I wanted to add that one when Patrick Mahomes came in. My question about the Packers is, of course, sustainability. But I'm also curious. I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers talk about how happy he is. I think his hair looks really well conditioned. Like, everything about him seems different. And I'm curious, is it all love or Mm. is it something grander? (laughs) Your hair is looking pretty good right now, Lefko. Well, mine curls a lot. Yeah. Um, that, that was me living down in new Orleans. No more now. I, um, I don't totally subscribe that it's about Jordan love. Um, I usually don't get into all that, but you do look at the history of some of the quarterbacks like Joe Montana. People forget he was, he was literally benched for Steve Young. Imagine that happened, Mm. uh, in, in our day. And then he went on and played some of his best Tom Brady and Jimmy G. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, just Jordan Love, but I think he has looked at his football mortality. I mean, maybe Love helped kickstart it. He he sounds like he loves the game more than ever. It's easy when you're three and zero, but he sounded like that this off season. Um, that there's just like a, he's a deep guy. He's smarter than either one of us, and uh, I think he just understands the finite amount of time to do the thing that he was put on this earth to do, and that he loves more than anything to do, and. Um, he's finding a way to do it so well. This is my other theory. My other theory is this happened the same thing with Russell Wilson, and they've had a very similar track record because of Aaron Rodgers having to sit at those first three years. But I've always thought that Russell Wilson needed some of those older guys to leave the locker room so that he could really take control of the locker room. I think that there were always some of the Legion of Boom guys, just they, they felt like Miami University alumni that were going to be like, yeah, but we did this shit with defense. And he just <laughs> needed them gone to be the guy. And I feel like with Aaron, I feel like now all of the Favre is gone. And I feel like all of the Greg Jennings is gone with McCarthy and whatever. And I feel like he's been able to kind of rebuild it now as it's and I feel like I Lazard is a really smart it's a lot of smart guys too in that locker room but I I feel like they finally got all the old shit out well Andy he does have talent around him I think that's always overstated it's like oh you have a top five quarterback uh, a top five left tackle and maybe a top five running back well I don't I don't need to hear that there's nothing around uh, and Aaron Rodgers. top five top that's 10. what I'm saying I mean and the the line is good um I think Sternberger. I think the tight ends are coming along. Tanya and Sternberger. I think they're going to be a factor. Uh, But, but to your point, I think it's, to me, it's all, it's more McCarthy. That's how I, at least just the way their relationship worked and how it kind of calcified over the years. And in terms of like getting guys out of the locker room and taking charge, well, Aaron Rodgers is like taking charge of that offense in year two that I think he understands what Matt LaFleur wants to do. But to, to the point of everyone who follows that team, I mean, he he's as close to a Peyton Manning or like Johnny, you actually calling the plays where there's these total array of options that he's choosing. And now that he's in year two of the system and him and LaFleur seem like they have like a nice big brother, little brother thing going on mm. with LaFleur at the little brother, you know, Aaron totally. Rodgers put his arm around him 
like at the end of week two's game and you knew how much that meant to Matt LaFleur. <laughs> Like, That's amazing. I love the fact that LaFleur isn't upset that he's the little brother. He's excited to get love yes. from the older brother. Uh, of course. That's an all-time great. That's it. And you know, it's so true. And I don't know. It gives me a little bit of like LeBron Tyrone Lou, just to take it to NBA, where like LeBron was able to kind of do his thing and he had a guy that could execute, but not overshadow. The way the NFC is setting up is awesome. Um, I don't want to get too high on on Rodgers, but to me, Rodgers playing at this level just makes the league more fun. And the way it's setting up with, with the Seahawks right now, with I think the Bucks having maybe the best defense in the league. So Brady's gonna be in that, that mix. You that figure front four. What is the dude's name next to Indomitian Sue? What's his name? Vitavea. He's so good. <sighs> so good. He is the classic case of sucks his first year everyone writes him off and because he plays in a smaller market you never look at him again until the bucks are in the nfc championship game and you're going who is this guy with two and a half sacks and like it's like grady and Jarrett he's 350 pounds like the nose tackles don't get too much love but todd Bowles, he's a lot to prepare for too and so it's so brady's in the mix maybe Bree, you know maybe breeze is in the mix dak is in the mix i mean that would be a spicy you know golf too Definitely. it's like that's it's, gonna be a it's spicy dak, it's NFC. dak rogers breeze bucks and then three from the nfc west and that's your nfc right which is to me just an un- unreal setup especially when dak is like i'm playing for for 150 million dollars in year one with, oh, like the, with like the eight and eight Cowboys who clinched the NFC East in week 15. You, oh, you got to be gross. dying inside right now. It's okay. Like, it's really not okay. It, <laughs> damn. I, that was the first time I've really admitted it. Only half a game back. Only half a game back. Everything about the franchise is imploded, Greg. Everything. Gee, uh, how we we are, we can question Howie Roseman, and before the sensible part of my brain was like he's thinking about the future, the the talent is decimated. The coach is punting the ball at the end and saying, "I'm not even trying to win." What analytics did he use for that? Like it it feels broken. It it feels to me like the year Reed got let go mm. when you were like you were like, "I know, I don't think he's the problem." But all of this needs to go away. And I don't like that feeling. This part of me, there's part of me that wants to give like a wide berth uh, during the pandemic of just like, well, there's, there's no losers here. They're all just trying, <laughs> like we're all struggling. And for whatever reason, the Eagles are struggling more than anyone with this. But it, it does kind of rock your foundation when the coach and quarterback seem so befuddled together. And it makes you start thinking because here's Peterson. He's got the hardware going up against Kyle Shanahan. Would Kyle Shanahan's never allowing his team to go into week four, 29th in yards per play, dead last in turnovers. You know, he, it just wouldn't happen. I mean, and so that just raises bigger questions. And Kyle's also a kind of guy that is going to go, oh, you guys said uh, about a year or two ago that Doug Peterson was a better offensive mind than me. <laughs> I'm going to embarrass him. like that. And also, Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, takes pleasure in embarrassing defensive coordinators that try to win the game. Your Greg Williams, your Jim Schwartz, those are the guys that he wants to embarrass because of how of their archaic mindset and probably the way that his dad talked about him when they were coming. Mm. Don't blame Schwartz though. They're they're okay on they're fine on defense. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just saying yeah. Kyle's gonna want to take it out on. You're right. And it would be they get George Kittle back this week, not to you oh. know, go to that game. But they're 
they still have all those backups in for the most part. I mean, they, they replacing sh- Malcolm Jenkins with Jalen Mills was genius. <laughs> they're lucky. Oh. They're lucky. There are no fans there. That was, that was something else. Zach Taylor also oh. like kneeling with 21 seconds left. And before overtime that got on my radar, it was just like, don't a, you feel like want sometimes this game. all you need yeah. is like one or two games to know that it, like, didn't it take like one or two games to look at Zach Taylor and be like, no, this is not the guy. I want to, I want to think better of him because um, I'll never have like an NFL coach that is as um, unremarkable looking as me. And that's him. Like you, he's just like out there. Like, has there ever been a coach that made it to his second year that less of America could point out of a lineup than Zach Taylor or even name, you know, who's the Bengals. I'm just realizing that if your doppelganger is Zach Taylor and mine sometimes is Jared Goff, sometimes because our eyes are close together that we were in the same quarterback room and that mm. was pretty special. And I enjoyed that time with you. <laughs> I mean, you get the banana Republic model out here in LA, Jared Goff. And I've, I've got Zach Taylor. He's not really my doppelganger. He's just like an average small looking white guy. And that that's me. And that is Greg Rosenthal. Greg Rosenthal. You are the man uh, around the NFL. Uh, Twitter is what at Greg Rosenthal, at Greg Rosenthal, three G's wow, 60% G a lot of G's. Uh, Instagram, same thing. We're both doing surrender Cobra right now. No. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, Are you big relaxing. on the Instagram. It's been a long day. I am on Instagram. I'm not like ultra active, but yeah, Greg Rosenthal on Instagram as well. Man. Slide into his DMS and say, what up? And yeah. we'll see if he responds. We'll check the poll out later. <laughs> Greg, thank you, bro. Thanks man. Want to give a special shout out to Greg Rosenthal from earlier. And of course, crack daddy, as I've been calling him this episode for some reason, uh, Ingber, uh, backstory on how I met Greg. Uh, I was invited to a Super Bowl dinner with media people, and I sat next to Greg. And I was like, Don't you do a podcast with Anthony Jesselneck in addition to doing the NFL? And he's like, Yes. And we talked about that. And then he talked about bands. And I'm not kidding. I, I was like, oh, I love that band. And I did not know 90% of them. <laughs> I remember driving down to Baltimore for a road trip when I was working for uh, MLB. And the tech guys happened to be sitting in the front and they were choosing the music. I swear to God, we were like almost at Delaware before I heard a song I recognized. And I was like, these are cool tech guys. They, they're like audio guys. So th- the music was killer, but I literally didn't recognize a single song for a four hour car ride. Well, you know me, I can't be at a dinner and there's a conversation and I can't talk. And so I'm trying to get in because I'm an idiot. And I'm like, I'm like, so what was like, they're talking about music. And I was like, what was the, the best concert that you've ever been to? And they're like, one, and like Mina, Mina's like, you know, it was the Iron Tim Giblets uh, backstage uh, under, it's like that SNL skit where it's like backstage underneath this old bridge. And I was like, that's great. They're like, what about you? And I was like, hmm. I saw Jay-Z one time. And I was like, I was like this isn't good. <laughs> I mean, like I went to see Tom Petty live and he was freaking incredible. And I don't care if that makes me a square to say, but it was one of the best shows I've ever seen live. Where was it? Uh, at the Tweeter Center, which is... Uh, the Tweeter Center! You're familiar I with it? Heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it's in Massachusetts. That's sick. Okay, anyway, uh, it is time to make our picks, but we also need to look at uh, kind of where we were last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I believe my love it and my like... Uh, both lost, but my list, which is the one that I really cared about uh, this week, 
And I think I made that explicit. <laughs> I think I hit. So I hit Browns minus seven over Washington, which people hit that with flying colors. Do. Yeah. Uh, the other two, uh, Arizona, Detroit did not hit. And what was the other one? Uh, yeah, you said Lions Cardinals over that did not hit, and then you had Rams plus two and a half. Which like, is there a more oh. devastating way to lose? I mean, they they climb all the way back from twenty eight three. You got it in the bag. They have a four point lead. I mean, yeah, you you must have been. I, I did one. not know that that was one of my bets until right now, and I want you to know that I think that's the new way that I'm going to bet. Just forget bet and said. then not think about it, and then come back <laughs> on Thursday of the following week and go, oh, because that would have been heartbreaking. That would sure. have ruined the game for me. Yeah, of course. And what was the David Ingber double loser bet? Right. So just so everyone knows, I'm trying to go 0-16 on approximately 11-1, to 12-1 to 1 long shots throughout the season. And I did some math. There's about a 24.8% chance of me going 0-16. for 16. So it is difficult Ooh. to do. I don't want people to think that I'm I'll trying to do I'll take the 75.2%. <laughs> uh, last week, I had a money line parlay of Washington and the Raiders winning. Uh, that was about 12 and a half to one. They both lost. So yes, we're good to go. I have not won a bet yet, which is great. Amazing. All right. I'm ready for this. I am going to go. Should I do my, I'll do my list it first. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing this list it because you should not bet against, man, am I really going to do Patriots plus seven? That's disgusting. Yeah, that's Why would I bet against Patrick Mahomes again? Uh, Bill Belichick. Because I am. Patriots plus seven is my list. It. Do you know what the the Chiefs, I, I believe it's after, what is it? After covering their nine and one against the spread, which is like an incredible record. Listen, you keep your trends out of my brain. All that they do is confuse me and I don't like it. Okay. Uh, next. I am going to do a, what's the next one? A like? Well, it depends on what direction you're going. Are you going list? I'm and going lean? higher. I'm list this, These lean. are ones I like more. You're leaning toward. I'm leaning toward Seattle, Miami over 54. Mm -hmm. Miami. Uh, yes. Did Ryan Fitzpatrick look great? Sure. You know what I saw out of Jacksonville? I saw a lot of movement between the twenties with bad plays in the red zone. Gardner Minshew throwing an interception, some fumbles. I look at this team with Seattle and go, who's stopping Russell? And the answer is not the Miami Dolphins. On the other side, though, Seattle's decimated. Corners are out. Safeties are out. D-line is out. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do what Ryan Fitzpatrick does, which is do crazy things in the first six weeks of the year, get everybody excited that it can sustain utterly collapse between the weeks of seven and 11 and cause a young guy to come in underperform between the weeks of 12 and 14. And then Fitzpatrick comes back in weeks 15, 16 and 17 <laughs> right. gives you just enough to extend his career. So welcome to the up of the Fitzpatrick ride because it's coming to Seattle and we're going over 54. I mean, Fitzpatrick is such a legend. There is such a blueprint. Uh, he, he's such Do you agree, a though? You agree with that path? It's great. I mean, the Seattle-Miami over is a great pick because Seattle could put up 38 points without blinking, and, you know, you're so close right there. You mean Seattle could do it? Yeah. Yeah, did I say Miami? Yeah, Seattle could put up 38 points. Fitzpatrick can, too. Okay, the other one I'm going with, it is also going to be an over. 
uh, even though I probably should have been betting unders. This is going to come as a surprise to some. I'm going to go the over on Indy Chicago at 43 and a half. Okay. Everything about this game screams defense. Chicago, that defense, that's how they've been in all these games, 20 to 19, blah, blah, Indianapolis, number one pass defense in the NFL, shutting down everybody they play. I look at the weakness of the Bears, and I the one thing that scares me is that Indianapolis could start running the ball and slow the game down, but I have confidence in Nick Foles. I have confidence in them finding some holes in an indie defense that we heard from Greg a little bit earlier, maybe a little overrated. I think that this one is actually a great game between the quarterbacks over 43 and a half for Indy Chicago. Yeah. When a full game of Nick Foles, right. Instead of just a quarter of him. Uh, That's the most fast. I'm so fascinated at that game because you know where I stand with Indy and if Nick Foles I'm very well aware of his capabilities. If that dude can put it together, the NFC North is open. Like that's a whole new wrinkle in this in this stuff. And in terms of people thinking teams are fraudulent, there's a vast abyss between three and zero and four and zero. Like you have to be good to get to four and zero. Some some teams can trip their way into three consecutive wins. Like a four and zero Bears team, it's like all right, let's let's pay some attention. They just did it so quickly. And I, I think that people need to realize, too, the reason I, I'm, I, I do have faith in Nick Foles is I think every coach on that staff has been with Nick Foles at some time. Uh, whether it was Bill Lazor in Jacksonville, whether it was Matt Nagy in Kansas City uh, from their quarterback coaches, they've all coached this guy before. He knows all of their systems, and that's why I think he can pick it up that quickly. I don't think he's going to go out there and just throw it high to Allen Robinson and see, whoa, that was a lot better. Um, I also think that the defense is good enough to make it interesting, but I'm taking the over because I don't want to bet a side. And now it is time for the Ingber Parlay. Well, I love Or bets. So <laughs> it's an Ingber's loser bet. Uh, it is a 12 and a half to one. It's four overs because I know the under crash is coming. I just don't know where it's coming. You're so, right. Why did you let me bet two overs, Ingber? This is your call, man. You can, I don't Ingber. tell you how to bet. I'm just here to produce the show. Um, but we got Falcons Packers over 57 and a half, right? That feels like obvious, but nothing obvious ever happens in Vegas. Saints Lions over 54 and a half. Patriots Chiefs over 53 and a half. Browns Cowboys over 55. So those are four games all in the mid fifties or, uh, or higher. One of them is going to go under, I don't know which, but I'm going to try to lose this bet by getting all those overs. And by the way, if I were placing this bet for real and I was trying to lose it for real, I would wait until Sunday at 1258 to place this bet. So these numbers might even go higher by then. So you're taking the overs in all four of those games. I'm taking the over in all four of those games because there's no chance that that'll go four and oh. Most of those games feel like they're going over, but there's no way that all four of those games will end up at 56 or more points. Were you purposely trying to say it in a way in which when it happens, you give yourself the perfect clip out to say there's no way it happens and then show that? Because you nailed it. I am so confident that this bet will lose. I am so confident. Would you bet real money on it? <laughs> uh, no, I put money into uh, 401ks. <laughs> so you wouldn't bet on it. You're still confident, it. but you wouldn't bet on it. No, because I'm confident it'll lose. I, no, I, 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 I would want to say, will you, will you bet that it will be a loser? 
Oh, so you want me to like put down a hundred dollars in order to win 21 or something? I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I just read, I read in a book recently where it said, if you say to people want to bet on it, most people say no. Oh yeah. The, that's, that's actually <laughs> been like, this is an idea for a show that I've had for so long where you just go up to random people and you're like, how much would it, you know, how much would it cost to like get a tattoo right here on the spot? They're like, I don't know, 50 bucks. And you whip out 50 bucks and you see what their actual reaction is. I just like, and you just do that with all sorts of weird challenges around town. And because so many people go like, I don't know, I'd do that. But then they actually show is the name of the show. Want to bet? Great. Done. Coming up next week on want to bet. Uh, thank you again to Greg. Thank you again to Crack Daddy. Thank you again to Ingber Daddy. He's literally a daddy. Uh, I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man, if you're making bets this weekend and you're proud of your ticket, shoot me a DM. I want to see it. Let's see the money that you guys are making for Ingber. It is a dad's responsibility to make a sandwich using the heel of the loaf. Okay, that crusty part at the end, that is your responsibility to eat that. That is not your child's responsibility. So you're saying dads eat the end. Dads eat the heel. Dad Proudly. Eat, dads eat butt. <laughs> That's what David Ingber just said. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>